0: Welcome to the Edgar Rice Burroughs mini-podcast, episode number three. These mini-podcasts are a subset of the full-length podcasts I do with Jess Terrell and Scott Stewart about Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, where we discuss in-depth the works of the greatest storyteller of the 20th century. My name is Tim DeForest. I've written several books on pulp fiction, old-time radio, and other aspects of pre-digital pop culture. And today... I'm here to talk about two minor characters in the Edgar Rice Burroughs universe. Each of them appeared in only one novel. Each met met a tragic end in the novel in which he appeared. And each generated an extraordinary amount of emotion uh, with their deaths. These are people we knew only briefly, but we really mourned their passing. And they uh, gave their lives with honor. Now, the first one I'm going to talk about appeared in the novel Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, written in 1927. Now in this, Tarzan and several other characters uh, find a, a almost inaccessible area of Africa where there lives a society that descended from sub crusaders, who centuries ago got really, really lost on their way to the uh, Middle East to fight in the Crusades. They have established a society based on traditional chivalry and knighthood with honor and jousts and duels and all of that. And the section I'm going to read consists when a band of Arab slave traders who had captured Tarzan earlier in the novel and are uh, the main bad guys of this novel have themselves entered... uh, entered the uh, valley, and they've captured a small castle near the entrance of that valley. Um, and at one point ne- after that, uh, the marshal of the forces that are supposed to defend the entrance to the valley, his nearest name is Sir Bulland, uh, stum- comes across um, some of the men who have, uh, who have fallen to the muskets of the Arabs. Uh, quoting from the novel now. One of the men at arms still lived in his dying breath, he, and in, in his dying breath he grasped the terrible truth: the Saracens had come at last. Where are they? demanded the marshal. Didst thou not see them? asked the dying man. They marched down the road towards the castle. Impossible! cried the marshal. We did, but ride along the very road and saw no one. They marched down towards the castle, gasped the man. The marshal the marshal knit his brows. Were there many? he demanded. "'There are few,' replied the man-at-arms. "'It was but the advance guard of the armies of the sultan. "'Just then the, valley that, the volley that laid low, "'the four warders at the uh, Castle Great, "'crashed upon the ears of the marshal and his men. "'Ode's blood!' he cried. "'They must have hid themselves in the bush as we passed,' "'exclaimed the knight at the marshal's side. "'For a surety, they are there, and we are here, "'and there is but one road between.' There are but four men at the castle gate, said the marshal, and I did bid them keep the cullises up till we returned. God, pity me. I have given over the sepulcher to the Saracens. Slay me, Sir Morley. Nay, man, we need every lance and sword and crossbow that we may command. This is no time to think of taking thy life when thou can give it to our Lord Jesus in defense of his sepulcher against the infidels. Thou art right morally, cried the marshal. Remain thou here with six men and hold this gate. I will return with the others and give battle at the castle. So he rides back to the castle that had been occupied by the... um, uh, Arab slave traders. Now, keep in mind that Sir Bulland and his men have armor and swords and uh, bows and and lances. They do not have firearms. The Arabs have old-fashioned firearms. They have single-shot muskets, but they still outgun the crusaders. Uh, when they get near the castle, one of them is shot right out of his saddle by one of the Arabs. Um, and I'm quoting from the novel again. One of the crossbowmen screamed and lunged forward on his face, and the others turned and fled. They were brave men in the face of danger, uh, dangers that were natural and to be expected. But in the presence of the supernatural, the weird, the uncanny, they reacted as most men do. And what could have been more weird than death leaping in flame and with great noise through space to strike down their fellow down? But Sir Bulland, the marshal, was a knight of the sepulcher, unquote, this is where Sir Boland both meets a tragic end, but po- proves himself to be an epically cool guy. Quoting from the novel, he might wish to run away fully as much as the simple and lowly men-at-arms, but here was something that held. Him. There was, but there was something that held him there. That was more potent than fear of death. It was called honor. Sir Boland Bull- could not run away and so he sat there on his great horse and he challenged the saracens to mortal combat challenged them to send out their doughtiest sir knight to meet him and thus decide who should hold the gate but the arabs already held it furthermore they did not understand him in addition to all this they were without honor as sir bullen know it and perhaps as any uh, and perhaps as anyone other than a bedouin knows it and would have but laughed at his silly suggestion one thing they did know two things they knew that he was a nazarene and that he was unarmed they did not count his great lance and his sword as weapons for he could not reach them with either so one of them took careful aim and shot sir bullen through the chainmail where it covered his noble and chivalrous heart so sir bullen dies really a rather tragic death not really even understanding what killed him because he didn't know what a firearm was and he and his fellows were presuming it was something supernatural but he gets credit. He gets credit for being honorable, for seeing his duty through to his death. He did not turn away from his duty, even though it meant his death, even though it meant facing a danger he couldn't even comprehend. Sir Boland is cool, and his brief appearance here and his tragic death stays with you after you've read the novel. Now we want to jump back to the 1914 novel, The Beasts of Tarzan. And in this novel, Jane and her infant son have been kidnapped by a villain who's taken them in into Africa. Um, but one of the men um, who was hired by the villains has a henchman. His name was Sven Anderson. Um, really came to care about Jane and the baby. Uh, realized how villainous the Russian uh, uh Nicole Rokoff, who had done the kidnapping, was, and he makes a getaway with Jane. Uh, Later on in the novel, Jane and the baby are forced to leave Sven behind and continue on into the jungle Um, but uh, um, because they're being pursued by the bad guys. Here's how that happened. When it became quite evident that they must be overtaken in a short time. Anderson hit J- hid Jane behind a large tree, covering her and the child with brush. There is a village about a mile farther on, he told her. The Mosella told me about its location before they deserted us. I try to lead the Russian off your trail, and then you go on to the village. I tank the chief friendly to the white men. I'm not even going to try to do the accent. I'm sorry. I think the chief f- be friendly to white men. The Mosella Tell me he is. However, uh, that will be all we can do. After a while, you get the chief to take you by the Macello village to the sea again. And after a while, a ship is sure to come to the mouth of the Ugambi. Then you'll be all right. Guide, uh, guide, Goodbye and good luck to you, lady. But where are you going, Sven? asked Jane. Why don't you hide here and go back to the sea with me? I got to tell the Russian you're dead so that you don't look new for anymore, said Anderson. Uh, uh, And he grinned. Why can't you join me after you have told him that, insisted the girl. Anderson shook his head. I don't think I'm going to join join anybody anymore after I tell the Russian you are dead, he said. You don't mean that you think he would kill you, asked Jane. And yet in her heart she knew that was exactly what the great scoundrel would do in revenge for his having been thwarted by the Swede. Anderson did not reply, other than to warn her to silence and to point toward the path along which they had just come. I don't care, whispered Jane Clayton. I shall not let you die to save me if I can prevent it by any way. Give me your revolver. I can use that, and together we may hold them off until we can find some means of escape. It won't work, lady, replied Anderson. They would only get us both, and then I couldn't do you no good at all. Think of the kid, lady, and what it would be for you both to fall into Rokoff's hand again. For his sake, you must do what I say, here, take my rifle and ammunition. You may need them. He shoved the gun and bandolier into the shelter besides Jane, and then he was gone. And he did, in fact, give his life for Jane Clayton and for the baby. He went back to Rokoff. He tried to set him on the wrong trail, and he did temporarily, and he was killed for it. When, he, when he's found by Tarzan later on, he's, he's, he's able to stay alive through pure, pure force of will long enough uh, to tell Tarzan uh, what he knew about Jane, and uh, before he finally died of, of, of his wounds. Uh, so Shven started out as a bad guy. He'd been hired to take part in a, uh, in a uh, kidnapping, and he went along with that, and that can't be denied. But by golly, he more than redeemed himself. He got Jane off the ship. He got the baby off the ship, away from Rokoff. He got them safe into the jungle. Well, hardly safe. They were still in a lot of danger, but they were certainly safer. And when he saw that they could not get away alone on foot, he sacrificed his life to lay a false trail, to give a false story to Rokoff. Uh, he gave his life so that Jane and a baby, uh, both of whom he barely knew, could live. And that makes Sven cool, like Sir Bullard. He's only in the novel very briefly, a little longer than Sir Bullard is in the other novel. But he's still just a very minor character in in, in, uh, in terms of, um, of how much he appears in the novel. But um, by golly, he is epic. And like the knight in uh, the valley, uh, he stays with you after he dies. So these two characters really demonstrate just how good Burroughs was at, Uh, getting us emotionally attached to his characters when he wanted when he wanted to do that. Uh, These men were both brave. They were both honorable. They both willingly gave their lives uh, for their duty or for to help someone else out. Uh, They were both epic. And that's it for now. Uh, please look up our uh, other podcasts, uh, both the previous mini-podcasts, but most importantly, the full-length podcasts I do with Scott and Jess. Uh, we really talk in a lot of detail about specific works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and I believe our podcasts are worth listening to. Uh, but thank you for being here for this and for this brief discussion of uh, Sir Bullard and—Sir uh, Bolland rather—and uh, Sven Anderson.